consistency is key. Exactly. Which is why we all play dice games, right? Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today we have Aaron from the Web Warriors Protocols back with us. What's up, my guy? I do, much. I'm doing well. And then we have uh, John, who also has made an article on the Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening? I'm all right. How about yourself? You know, I can't complain. I can't complain. You know, it's just one of those days. You know, the uh, as a adult you know in my mid-30s i'm over here watching the markets go crazy you know because that's what you do apparently when you're in your 30s but other than that it's all good i uh i was talking to y'all before we started the show and it sounds like y'all got some sweet new toys over there right yeah so we have blade and moon not show and Mama. oh yeah i'm i'm very jealous for that but you know i know they'll be here soon have you uh have you guys started working on them yet uh, no, I've got my box behind the counter. I literally got here in time to do this, so it's a build once I get home later on today, I think. Nice, nice. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with with those guys. I know, I think Dormammu is going to be one of these just like crazy characters on the tabletop, you know, and I'm just, I'm real excited to see what he does. And then, you know, with the Midnight Suns, there's, there's some good overlap with the Web Warriors, so I like that, and I know that that's probably going to be a, a big time play for me is going to be Midnight Sun, so I'm really excited for that. And I know, Aaron, are you planning on adding any Midnight Suns into your Web Warriors roster? Yeah, so I'm definitely adding Moon Knight. Um, I keep looking at Blade, but for four threat, I've got Venom and Killmonger, and although Midnight Suns looks pretty cool, I don't think I'm ever going to stop playing Web Warriors, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I understand that completely. For, for me, it's very much a thing of I like to play everything and then kind of see what sticks and I noticed that uh, when you do that it's really hard to get really good with one thing you know what I mean so yeah. it's you know I know for you you've played a ridiculous amount of Web Warriors John you've played a ridiculous amount of X-Men at this point and I'm going to start with you John would you say that bouncing around between things is if you're trying to be a competitive player maybe not the best idea yeah i think if you're looking to go completely competitive you need to almost stick with something and iron out the initial errors that appear and kind of work through what they're good at what they're not so good at and where you're moving forward um i have bounced through quite a lot of things when we play casually so i've run asgard yeah, you've run a lot. around guardians at one point just to see what i could do with those but yeah. when tech men dropped after web warriors that was kind of where i stuck my hole for now with the mutants so i'm going to stick with there that'll be my home for a little while although convocation are calling in the distance i think nice yeah i i like what their models are showing right now too aaron what about you would you say that when you're if you're trying to make the jump from a more casual player to a competitive player is it a sticks find something you like and stick with it or do you think it's it's more you can be that more flexible broad appeal situation i think it is definitely a matter of you have to 
find what you want, find what you like, and stick with it. I mean, um, just quickly mention my friend Elliot. So he's been running Criminal Syndicate the past week, and he's beat me a couple of times with them. To be fair, he smashed me. I'm not going to deny it. Um, <laughs> nice. But before that, he was running Defenders, but then I've also seen him play Avengers and Brotherhood in the last week. Mm-hmm. And I think if he just knuckled down and played the one, he'd probably be able to smash it out a lot better. But whereas in my situation, obviously, like I said, I've played a lot of Web Warriors. I'm very familiar with what I can do. But I think even if you're running a dual affiliation roster, it's quite risky because if you take, say, talking about the new Midnight Suns and Web Warriors, I think playing Venom in both of those, for example, is a very different play experience. It's going to play very differently how you interact with him, how, what he does. I mean, obviously, in uh, Midnight Suns, he can be a lot more aggressively because the place is quite big for him, whereas in Web Warriors, he's just sort of using the one defense source to tank out a lot more damage. Mm-hmm. So I think you can very quickly fall into the trap of, if you play the same model, especially playing the same model in different teams, you um, line up a model planning to do something and then realize that actually in this affiliation, that's not what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. And as someone who is a uh, champion of the dual affiliation list, this guy right here, it's uh, interesting to hear you talk about Venom specifically with Midnight Suns and, and Web Warriors and Midnight Suns, because that's kind of what I'm leaning towards trying to blend together because there is so much overlap and because I think that you mentioned Venom as a good example. I think he is going to play very differently in Midnight Suns, but I think he gives the Midnight Suns a really interesting element that mm-hmm. they otherwise don't have kind of natively. Yeah. So, it gives them quite a, a bit of bulky style power, doesn't it? it? Yeah, and then that that level of control that he can bring with it as well. And I think putting a character in that team that also gives bleeds out can then additionally yeah. help Blade and stuff like that. So I think there's some synergy there to explore, and it's one of those things that as I dive into that, don't worry, Suits, I will let you know. <laughs> you can do, I think, is it if you take Venom... Miles, Black Cat, Moon Knight, Blade. So that's five models, but then you can play either affiliation with just those five. Yes. So it's very easy to have them both in your roster, isn't it? Yeah. So. I mean, the updated roster that I've got, all I need is Blade and I can run Moon Knights. That's just. Uh, Moon Knight, rather, <laughs> Midnight Suns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be really great. So we kind of. Kind of went off the rails for a second there, but I want to go ahead and tell everybody kind of the overall what we're going to be talking about today. And overall, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, John's X Men roster and kind of how he came up with that. It went four and zero at a recent event, which I'm I'm really excited to discuss because for those of you that might have been listening for a while, we've kind of put our after party show a bit on hold just because we've been talking about all kinds of other stuff lately, but. I want to bring that back because we were right on the the X-Men train of things. But as I said during that kind of series where we started in on them, I think that there's room to explore within X-Men. And I think that some of the newer releases have really kind of given them some additional tools. And I think that having someone that's played a ton of X-Men games will will give a little bit of extra insight into that. So we're going to talk about some more X-Men stuff today. And then also we're going to talk about how Aaron's changing up his Web Warriors roster a little bit, so we'll we'll get into that. 
And then lastly, we're going to kind of have some fun with some wild speculation about the uh, mini stravaganza and, uh, yeah, talk about rosters and all that kind of stuff. So strap in. It's going to be a good one. And let's dive right in. Firstly, John, with your X-Men roster. And for those of you listening, if you want to see what John's roster is kind of on paper form so you can follow along, uh, it's at the Web Warriors Protocols blog. You can go over there, and he has an article about his X-Men roster. But, John, what's the what's the quick and dirty of your X-Men roster? Uh, the quick and dirty, really, is uh, a cheap core of nine points consisting of Storm, Beast, and Domino. So, as you say, the later releases have massively helped. Domino has just taken one of those starting spots just straight out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there... It's very much flexing in as many mutants or uncanny X-Men as humanly possible to try and maximize on some of their tactics cards and some of the crises that we can put together to kind of build maximum first turn efficiency and then try and hold it out and sit at range, to be honest. Right, I got you. Okay, so let me ask you this, because in my experience with X-Men, definitely not at the same level that you are, but with my experience with X-Men, it's an affiliation that, you want to stay affiliated. Uh, and I don't mean affiliated, like obviously you were going to have affiliation affiliated, but like you, you want to have as many models that are in that affiliation on the board as possible because their tactics cards are so powerful. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the way I went around building the roster. I looked at kind of like, obviously I knew I was going to run X-Men. When they first came out, there was only really four You've got Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, and Beast. Mm-hmm. They were really missing some tricks when they first came out. The leadership felt strong, but they didn't really synergize. They didn't go together very well. There were a couple of pieces you could put in there that made them work a little bit better, but their tactics cards just felt really weird. So with four models, first class giving all Uncanny X-Men like their first interaction for free, wasn't that great because Wolverine, Cyclops, and Storm didn't really gel together all that well, and it just felt like a real mishmash of characters. Yeah, for sure. Um, but as we've gone along, and we've obviously seen Cable, Domino, and Gene Drop, there's some real play now with that core. So it is very much kind of like that tactics card. So my roster consists of Domino, Storm, Beast, as we've said. Then there's Cyclops, Gene Grey, Cable... Toad is in there, Mystique is in there, and then Scarlet Witch is the other one. So everybody's a mutant, right? and seven of them are Uncanny X-Men. So, well, no, Medusa's the other piece, sorry. So six of them are Uncanny X-Men. So the aim was to try and really maximize first class and then to try and keep that going as much as possible once we got out in the early lead. Absolutely. I really like that. And you mentioned first class. So first class is a tactics card that allows affiliated Uncanny X-Men characters to interact with an objective token without paying power. Now, do you feel like that that card, I know I I read your article, but for those of you that might not have read the article is why I'm asking these questions. Do you feel like that that card is a must play turn one? Or have you ever been in a situation where you feel like hanging on to it for a later turn is valuable? Most of the time I'll try and get it out turn one. I feel like it has the most effect turn one. But that very much depends on priority. And I know that's an odd thing to say because that's something that cannot be guaranteed in any way, shape, or form. Right. But that card works much better turn one when you've got priority than when you haven't or when you've got more models on the table potentially to steal more extracts and stuff than your opponent has. Um, but to be honest, 99% of the time, 
I'm playing it out there turn one because I want to get those extracts for free and still have some power, which is something the X-Men struggle with anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, but there are the niche case where I've held it back, hopefully turn two or three, hoping I can daze a couple of maybe cube holders and mm-hmm. then pick those up for free to still have the power to do something else. But most of the time, the plan is to get it out there in the first activation phase and try and maximize it. Nice, yeah. That's uh, generally what I've done as well when I've played my X-Men. I think it's one of those things where I was playing a game not too long ago and I I, I forgot for whatever reason because I was just, you know, playing casually, having fun, and I forgot to actually use it on turn one. And it ended up coming in handy in a later turn. So it was just one of those funny little things that happens in a game, you know. But um, I also really like the idea of, like you said, it's it's this power generation situation and using it to save that power so that that way on a turn two or later you have access to certain superpowers or attacks that the X-Men have. And one of the characters that I've had a hard time kind of using in a capacity of feeling like I get something out of the character other than just a leadership and that's Storm. Like, Storm's leadership is is so good. I think overall, you know, getting cover if they're out of range too, making them have to come to you to not get the cover. You know, the place, using it once per round is really great. All that stuff. But other than her just sitting on a back point and you trying to protect her to protect that leadership, do you find that she still has additional value? I know, and before you answer that, what I've seen personally is once you can get three power on her, she can start the train rolling, but it's until you get that first three power, it's hard to get kind of the cycle to continue. You know what I mean? Just to uh, quickly jump in, I just want to lay down the premise that John's storm has a very uncanny um, reputation. I like what he did. So yeah, yeah. Um, Because you'll be playing people and she'll just murder someone out of the blue, completely unjustified. Just pure <laughs> violence. So, um, just wanted to put that out there first when talking about John Storm. That's awesome. Those four dice are just lethal in John's hands, huh? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like imbued with lightning. It's absolutely mental. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's definitely only when playing casually, though. Storm yeah. never rolls that well when I turn up to any tournaments, I'll tell you that. That's awesome. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think she is one of those that's a slow grow. She spends the first couple of turns, if possible, hanging back. Um, she does want to provide that leadership ability. But as you say, once you've got the three power on her for Eye of the Storm, so you can start adding dice to her attacks, she can really start to kind of like start to put some hurt out. Yeah. And the fact that she can do most of her hurt from kind of like range four with a lightning bolt means that she's still at a safe distance for most characters to have to waste an action on a move to try and get in. Mm-hmm. And she's potentially rolling seven dice on three power. She's going to gain some of that back because there's no way with seven dice she's not at least gaining one or two of those back. And she can really start to pump it out. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel that 100%. So uh, let's see. Next, let's talk about uh, kind of a, a bit of strategy here. So I think, I don't know how it is over there, but I've seen a lot of people playing the more F shaped extract games so like spider infected and cube fragments i know personally i've really been enjoying playing those games lately and do you find that x-men want to go get that middle one early and just kind of try to hold that spot down or do you feel like that that's like a, a danger bit of a trap area 
I try to avoid F shape if humanly possible. Okay. Um, I just don't put it in my roster build for that exact reason. I think that if you have to get into the middle, there are some characters within X-Men that just aren't going to be able to hold that extract long enough when you look at what else turns up in the meta. Yeah. I think if I go for the middle one early and somebody's got, say, Enchantress or Mystique or whatever it is on the other side, whatever character I put into the middle is gone. They're over there. The extract's now in the opponent's half, and I've got to go somewhere to get it back, which is really counterintuitive to what the X-Men really want to do. Mm-hmm. They kind of want to grab stuff, come back and sit at range and go, well, come and take it off us because we're just going to keep putting small amounts of damage into you as you move forward, and eventually we'll just whittle you down. Um, if it's there, I will try and grab it and you can use Storm's leadership for the placement. So I have played F's and I'll place Beast in the middle and then Domino to the right or left of him within two. Mm-hmm. So that the first action can be Domino uses Storm's leadership to place within one at the front of Beast. She medium moves up, she interacts with it, picks it up, and then she's still got some potential to either move back or because she is walking hex on legs, <laughs> to just try and champ out that one attack from somebody who has to move in to get to her um, because nobody's adding any extra dice in for crits when they're attacking Domino. You've still got some power because first class has allowed her to interact for free. So if you roll a skull, if needs be, you can still pay to count that as a crit and add an extra dice in. So she can just about make it, but I try and avoid the gamble if possible. Right. Do you find that you're playing more from a a wider list typically or do you feel like you're kind of a tall list where it's like you got the uh the core nine like you said plus you got like a cable and a gene big hitter types with you uh i've got gene and i've got cable with me for the big hitters so if we were to play at a 14 it will be cable or gene that slots in to make it a solid four and then anything above that there's enough flexibility within what's there to kind of see what it is i've come across on the other side of the table Gotcha. Um, so there are times I'll throw in Cable and Gene. So I played in 19 and threw in Cable and Gene, and that was quite nice. There are other times I've thrown in kind of like Toad and Mystique as five and then dropped another three in just so as I can try and maximize some of the impact and counter some things. But generally, I'll, the more characters on the table that are affiliated, the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Aaron, let me ask you now. So you said you've played into him a few times now, and then the storm dice are awfully shocking at yeah. times. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how would you feel like as a Web Warriors player playing into a strategy like this? Does it kind of change how how you approach the game at all? Because I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, me and John went for a phase where John beat me about seven times in a row with X-Men, I think it was. Something crazy Seems like that. that right? Yeah, yeah. Something, <laughs> something crazy like that. And I was just like, what on earth is going on? I've never lost this many times to anyone, yet alone in a row. What, what's happening? What's John doing to me? And it was just the fact that he was the first person I've ever seen that moved up, got the objectives, but then moved away. <laughs> and that really caught me off guard. Obviously, uh-huh. the Web Warriors can like, mitigate that a little bit with the ability to pull in his characters and move them in. But because of the struggle for power generation anyway, with John moving back and not attacking me round one and then me not being close enough to him to attack, it really stunted like my um, ability to gain power moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think I do have to play very differently for them. I think you'll find some of my characters like Venom having to just move twice, whereas against other rosters, he'd be moving once and then trying to get an attack in after I've had a web line with Gwen. They're right. definitely different to play against because they're, they're just not 
like other teams. I mean, it's not in the same sense as Blackwater where they're playing a completely different game. Yeah, nobody's like Blackwater. But they are playing a slightly different game in the sense that they're not going to try and come and fight out in the middle, whereas most teams will. They're, they're going to play slightly differently, sort of like kite around you and hold on to the objectives and win out that way. And it can be really frustrating trying to get to them at times. Right. And the cover is something I'm almost envious at of because obviously I get to re-roll the dice, but John just gets to put one success in there most of the time. Straight shield. Yeah, straight shield. Yep. yep, it's pretty wonderful. So let me ask you this then. What would you say then is kind of your premier strategy with the X-Men then? Like Aaron mentioned, is it that kind of turtle up, hold back, play the range kind of semi-gun line situation? Or, and then, I mean, obviously... And let me just go ahead and put this caveat out there. It all depends on crisis, but I mean, there's only so many different crises. Like, I think the hardest one for you, if I'm just going to guess this, I'd like to see what you say, is probably a C shape. So, like a sword base where you've got to go to the middle. Yeah, it's probably the one that you wanted to see the least, maybe? Question mark? <laughs> um, sword base is in my list, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but sword base is the only C shape I really want to play. Um, I don't want to go into the middle for like meteors or something like that where it just becomes a complete scrum because right. I don't gain the cover. Everybody's in too close. As we've said, Storm is really squishy. Beast is great if everybody's got physical attacks. If somebody turns up to the middle with an energy attack, Beast is equally as squishy, if not more so. Right. Um, I really want to avoid C unless it is sword. And then at those 14 points, it kind of makes it more difficult for some of the rosters to kind of work out what they're going to do. And that's the only reason it's in there. So I played it twice at the tournament, once against a Brotherhood player who was really kind of like, well, I can maybe get Magneto, Scarlet Witch, and I can drop Quicksilver in there. But that wasn't his optimal list. He hadn't really planned for a 14 because that wasn't something he really wanted to play. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I played it again against Web Warriors, and they had the same thing. They went Miles, Gwen, Venom. And we're then trying to work out what pieces to flex in for the additional four to make a cohesive roster. So I think it, Sword is one of those that most people try to avoid because even when somebody's on the objective, you can still take it with that single dice roll and it becomes really difficult to play for. Yeah, I, I just want to quickly jump in. I think Sword is possibly the most game-changing crisis we've had <laughs> so far. Like, it's really shaken up how people have to look at things and build things. Oh, yeah. Just it's so different and it's 14 for it which is so low compared to most of us yeah i uh played a sword game with x-force not long after cable and domino and and all that wave came out and if you don't get that objective and you're playing against somebody that can go a little wider I feel like it, it's pretty tough because someone like cable getting moved short by that stupid objective or someone like Storm getting moved short towards the enemy is just the worst thing. So, John, I like your take on it, playing four characters at that, because I know one of the things I've seen here lately is that trying to go as many characters as possible on that 14. But I think playing with that priority, trying to have those characters that can put the hurt out and... and and kind of run the table in that way. I, I really like that that take on that. But I think you had more to say, so go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to go back to the original point before we got to Soul Base, which was uh, kind of like the, the plan for the roster. Yeah. Um, so 
I do like to sit a little bit further back. Everybody's got a fairly decent range to attack on them. Um, obviously, we've got range five if Cable goes in. We've got right. range four if Gene goes in. There's range three or four with an automatic incinerate on Domino, depending on if I need to spend the power. Storm's at range four. Cyclops is at range four. They enjoy sitting back. They quite like going, actually, wasting action to move up, and then you've only got one attack. So the chance of you taking me out in a single attack, unless you're Corvus, is very, very slim. <laughs> right. Um, and really, I want to maximise paying for objective interactions. So I go with as many pay-to-interacts as possible within Definitely. my roster. And then if I'm at to- if I'm casual, I'll just throw in whatever I fancy playing. But at a tournament, it tends to be anything you have to pay for that I know I can play well on. Versus, and then I'll look at the opponents and say, for example, they've got two extracts that require you to pay, mm-hmm. but only one secure. I'm likely to go, well, actually, I'll take secures then because I've got a 50-50 chance if you did get of potentially getting one. Well, it's slightly better once one card's gone, maybe 50-50 at worst, of getting an extract you've got to pay on so that I can double up on the interactions first turn, so I can potentially pick up an extract for free and then interact with Mutant Madmen as well, so it becomes mine and I'm then stood next to it. Yeah. So you've got to come over and waste the power to potentially interact and get two successes maybe on three dice, and the chances aren't great. Yep. No, I, I really like that. And that's going to come in a, a little bit later when we, when we get into a, a deeper discussion on roster construction, because I really like the idea of that, because I know the typical conversation around roster construction is you know white warriors like to play d so therefore make everything a d and pick secures when you have priority is kind of like you know i get i guess you could say some people love the d (laughs) 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 so uh you know like that's kind of and it's it's like you know what what secure or extract do you want to pick the most with your your squad and and that's what you need to to try to to fit in there. But I like how with you, it's like, you know, I'm going to make sure that I get push button secures or pay to interact extracts. So definitely not research station, even though I love that personally, I, I really enjoy that crisis, but it's definitely, I can understand how it wouldn't be good for your roster there, but I, I enjoy playing it casually, but I'm not taking that if I'm looking to win any games. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's one that I just find to be very fun, but anyways, I digress. So, um, but, but picking, a a crisis selection based on what your opponent has for their crisis stuff. I think it's just it's just really interesting and a really different way to kind of look at that. And and we can talk more about that in a few minutes. But I want to jump over to Aaron now, and and talk some more about kind of your Web Warriors roster, and then we can kind of bring it all together and and talk about about the whole thing here. So, Aaron, you're making some changes now to your Web Warriors roster, and are these changes based on some experience within the tournament or is it just kind of some new stuff's come out so therefore you want to play with the new toys? So I have to be perfectly honest, my changes are solely based upon um, Sword Mission, the, <laughs> the one we were just on about. They, nice. have, they are literally the reason. <laughs> Segways. Because, um, it, it's just for... When we, when we first saw the mission, when we first played it, I said to my friend Elliot, I was like, L, this mission's stupid, mate. And Elliot was like, no, no, it's great. And I was like, it's only because you've got priority that you're saying that. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then six, uh, however long it's been since then, down the line, Elliot's now saying, oh, I hate that mission. I really don't <laughs> enjoy that mission. And I'm like, L, I told you, bro. I told you it, it's not good. Um, 
And the fact that in the final at the last event, I played Chris Chalicum, um and he had it in his blues. And I was just sat there going, please don't play that mission <laughs> because <laughs> he had Sam Spam Avengers, which means he'd go oh, five wide and yeah. I'd be left with um, a four wide roster that I wasn't massively happy with playing into Sam Avengers. So the, the bulk of my challenges added in a two threat, which is told are based on the fact that I need to be able to go five wide, I think, at 14 fret, just because it's a big advantage to be able to do so. Yeah, I I think that... let's Before we jump into why it's a big advantage to go five wide on 14, why do you think that that mission is so hard? Is it because of the, the it's that low threat value, or do you think it's the low threat value in conjunction with the effect for when you are taking the points? So, so it's the whole thing. It's the fact that you get the person who controls it gets a push. The fact that it's so, such low threat, but mainly, I think it's because it's just so. There's the, there's no way of mitigating your opponent's odds of getting the objectives. So once you've got that objective, say you're using Criminal Syndicate, you put four models around that counts as eight models with your leadership. Your opponent still only needs to walk up, roll a dice, and has a fifty-fifty chance of taking it. There is nothing you can do. Oh right, and yeah. I think that's what makes it so difficult. Because in some scenarios, I can say leave Gwen or Miles on a back point, which means in my head I know that they can't run up and just take it. They need at least two successes. Obviously, that limits characters that only have two defense dice. They're not even going to try. In this, every character has an equal odd of just taking it, and that's what I think makes it difficult. Right, I got you. Okay, so when it comes to the five wide, why do you feel like that that's so important? So I think it's so important because let's just say um, one person is playing Black Order and the other person is playing Sam Vengers. So unless they pass, which they might not want to do because it can, that in itself can have quite um, serious effects on the game, unless they pass, say they activate their three first and then the Sam Spam player gets to go. So they get their third activation, their fourth and their fifth. Mm-hmm. So each one of those characters, can, all they have to do is walk up to an objective and they have a free shot at taking it. There's nothing the Black Order player can do. So if, if they've got two models after you, like I said, it's a 50-50 chance. They're almost guaranteed to take one from you. So there's nothing you can do to stop that. So at least by having five wide, you're never going to be in a situation where they can potentially get quite lucky and steal all three or two of the sword bases from you. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And I will say on the on the flip side of that you mentioned passing i think that in that matchup specifically like if you're if you're going if you're the person that does not have the higher model count so if you're playing four models or three models into four or five respectively and you don't have priority or even if you do have priority but if you don't have priority i think the power of the pass in that situation is really strong especially if you have the tools to deal with whoever goes to that midline first. And, you know, I know Black Order is a whole kind of a different thing, I yeah. think. But I think that's one where having played some really strong Black Order players, they use that pass so effectively. That yeah, 100%. It's, it's really something that'll catch you off guard if you're not ready for it and can also kind of put you in that mental space of the game where okay, well, what are they going to do if I move up here? Okay, yeah. you know, what's going to yeah, happen? Think, sorry, going last on sword base, particularly post-turn two, has kind of like a massive advantage mm-hmm. because there is an opportunity, depending on who you've got there, 
and the power levels to possibly interact with more than one of those consoles. Yeah. Yep. So it could be that you flip the one you stood at and that already puts you two to one up, but you can still get to another one potentially and flip that. So you're three to one up, making it more difficult for the player again the next turn, having to yeah, flip true. and interact. It's such an odd scenario. I mean, I think with a long moving character, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you could possibly get all three in one turn if you start within one on the inside of the out. I'd Maybe have to me measure it, but I think you're right. If you start on the inside of the farthest, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the the wing ones, I think you can get to all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just have a quick look and do some uh, quick math roughly. So the objective is three in, which is six inches. Um, that leaves 12 inches to the center point. Obviously, you can go within one. So, yeah, I've, I've, I'm pretty confident you can. Yeah. go to all three in one turn, as long as you're starting the right place, obviously. Yeah, and then there's other, also other characters that have some uh, placement and movement shenanigans, yeah. looking at you, Miles, that can do that too. <laughs> I mean, um, Toad as well. Toad can interact with them, can't he? Toad can interact from two. He's got his hop as well, yeah. so he yeah. can move himself within two. Yep. I mean, I used Medusa in X-Men on that one because she was great. You use the placement to get her from one of the outside ones over, say, Beast, almost to the middle one. And then she can spend two to use her own hair flip to get herself back out towards the outside one. And she's yet to spend an action. And she's interacted potentially with all three of them. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that sounds crazy. And, and then people are looking going, so you can still push me off these points? And you go, yeah, I can still nest a couple of pushes and stuff and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it wouldn't, um, I don't think it'd be bad either if it was only two victory points for the sword base, but it isn't, is it? It's three. Three victory three? points, yeah. Yeah, so... Want. That that feels like the sort of magic number. If you're getting free over your opponent from one point, you're <laughs> yeah. probably in a good headway to be winning the game. It's very hard. Two turns and you've got a six point lead. Right, and then, I mean, and that's it. It's all it's or nothing. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It very much is. I mean, if you if you're playing a extract mission where you can only get three victory points in total for all of them, or say four victory points in total for all of them, such as celestial hammers. If you take your two and your opponent takes their two, and then they have the base, you're going to really, really struggle because from turn one, they're that far ahead of you that the only way to possibly get back into it is to take the base. You can't just do it with the extracts. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a really interesting way to look at it too is because thinking about sword base and, and just how impactful it is in the game as a whole, you also have to look at it in the context of your extracts. And if you're playing a extract where it's you know like you say there's two of them even if there's five extracts on the board if the team that gets the three extracts doesn't get the three for the sword base they're still behind and yeah, yeah. it's crazy it, i think that's just really interesting and then on the flip side of that though the the team that gets the three extracts also gets the sword base that's a massive massive yeah, I mean, lead like just about to comment, because you said about the ones where there's five extracts. If you get the sword base and three of them, you win at the end of round three as long as you hold on to them. And you even have some leeway to like mess up a little bit because you're getting six points, say three cubes and three for the base. The end of turn two, you go to 12. Mm -hmm. Turn three, you can drop two of the cubes and still not worry because you'll be going to 16. And there's not a fat lot your opponent can do about it, especially not if, like we said... You have the number of models to just be going, cool, I'll wait. You you activate, carry on, cool. Now I'm going to take your sword base and there's nothing you can do. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's really interesting and just, it's one of those that 
the more I'm playing it, the more I'm getting into it, the more I'm just, you know, really seeing the impact that it has on the game as a whole. And it's it's something that I think that teams are going to have to plan for because before... Yeah, oh, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you, You've got to have a plan in mind for it, no matter what. Yeah, and for a long time in the game, it was you've got to have a plan for Gamma because Gamma was the lowest one for a long time. And it was, you know, you do the damage if you're not within two. It's this kind of straight down Main Street, right down the middle, like, you know, hope you don't get into a Black Order fight there kind of thing. But now yeah, I think Sword is well. very different. I'm sorry, what was that? It was um, Herbs as well. So for us, in our local group, I feel for the longest time, Herbs was sort of like, oh, God, what am I going to do with Herbs? I mean, I was running it in my roster. I hate the mission, <laughs> but I'd take it in my roster just because I knew nine times out of ten people would go, if they won priority, they'd go, oh, he's got Herbs. I'm taking Red so I don't have to play that, which meant I got to play my Blues. Nice, nice. And, John, let me ask you, you know, on Sword Base with your X-Men roster, do you feel like that that's something that they can... Like, how would you play that? Like, if you're playing Aaron... Maybe Web Warriors is not the best example here, but if you're playing Aaron, how would you feel like going into Sword Base? Would you would you at that point want to have the cable, or would you rather have the gene to kind of stop the pushes and pulls and stuff? It it depends what I come up against. I've played Gene on it twice now, simply because both times I've come across it have been against Web Warriors. So mm-hmm. both times I've played it been against Web Warriors. Gene is just great. She can sit just outside the three a little bit further back she's within four of anybody that's interacted so there's no way gwen for example or venom or anybody is going to web line or web snare anybody off because she just says two power and it's no um she's done the same against enchantress where i've had to look at my opponent who's got like six power on enchantress because hers is worded weirdly and she can just use it over and over again on the same character and then I've had to look at Jean and go, have I got more power? Can I stop this without running out of power? Do we end up in a, well, she's just going to spend it to try and move the same character again. But Jean is great for that. Um, I think against somebody with less pushes, I would probably take Cable for the Incinerates. I think if everybody's gathered up together, Cable's great on Incinerates. He's just going to hand those out and then Domino with a rapid fire can go to town. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I kind of like that. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm going to try that again. Uh, with X-Men here before too long because I want to see, you know, I just want to see if I can get some of that spice, you know what I mean? Yeah, just whilst we're on the subject of Cable as well. So I think one of the guys in the House Party Protocol uh, Discord that I joined with you, um, I played him in the first round at an event and had a very, like, near-death experience with Cable where Cable just went absolutely bonkers. (laughs) And I was like, what is happening? This hasn't happened before. I think Cable... Used cat and mouse, got a hammer turn one, and then round one just killed Gwen. Oh, so wow. he dies, and I was like, oh, God. If it helps, I had three hammers on him the other week, yeah, and it's he just, just went to town. Once he gets the extra attack, <laughs> Cable's a monster. That's the thing. Like I I have, have my frustrations with Cable, right? And for whatever reason lately, uh, speaking of, I also want to talk about this in a minute. I read the article that uh, was posted about the dice thing because I'm, a, yeah, yeah. I'm an epic dice complainer. Uh, I'm, you know, if anybody's been listening to the show for a while, it's it's warranted sometimes, but you know, we're not going down that road right now. 
But anyways, Cable is one of those characters that I swear, if he had just if he had Modok's extra attack die, he yeah. he'd be on that level of like this guy is crazy good. And I think it's okay that we don't talk about him as being you know that level of good necessarily. But man, he really likes that extra die. He does benefit greatly from that die, particularly if you can get him to double tap after a body slide, for example. So if you can get him to place himself and then he's got a hammer or he can incinerate, the auto incinerate almost is great because then he almost gets the extra die if he can a second attack somebody. Exactly. So he, that's why him and Domino, I think, pair so well. She yeah. can go first. She'll incinerate whoever it is that you want Cable to finish off. And then he's almost got a six die attack when he goes into them because they're already incinerated. Yeah. Yep. I, I think we've been spoiled with Modoc. I think his yeah. attack is crazy good compared to everybody else at five points. I can really see why AMG haven't put six dice on everybody else. I think if you suddenly yeah. ended up with Gene with six dice and Cable with six dice, you could end up in a situation where characters are just getting wiped off the board yeah, so I mean, fast. If you, oh, yeah. if you look at Scott Witch, her six dice basics brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It counts as schools, yeah, but it's absolutely <laughs> brutal. I've had people just daze off the basic. I'm like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and that's, you know, the credit to AMG for, you know, taking that into account when making this character, but man, as a as somebody who just, in general, loves the character of Cable, it's like, I wish. I just wish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to take it die happily. Yeah, exactly. So Sorry to cut you off again. Cable's oh, probably seen that new attack on the Sorcerer Supreme, and he's just eating his heart out at the, uh, the dagger's attack, the range five. Six dice, pick any type of damage. I mean, if Cable had that, he'd be absolutely bonkers. Oh, <laughs> like dude. That attack's bonkers by itself, though, yeah. to be fair. I mean, not to go off on a tangent, <laughs> one, but that is like a crazy attack, the kind of attack Cable wants, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and no worries, tangents allowed here. <laughs> yeah. So let's now talk a little bit. Let's just have a little bit of fun here for just a second before we get into the more deeper roster construction discussion here and let's talk a little bit about this mini stravaganza that's coming up because i don't know about you guys but i am very excited to see what amg has in store here i think they did us well they did themselves proud and they did us wonders last year with the amount of stuff that they released and how quick it was all coming out i mean yeah. you get a teaser and then a couple of days later or the next day they'd be like here's the model we tease plus four yeah. others <laughs> yep it was crazy <laughs> it was great so do y'all think we're going to see a level like that again all we've been saying for a while and i just want to say atomic mass games if i'm right you definitely need to hire me so i think what they're going to do is you know we've sort of had this mystic wave yeah i think they're going to do look I don't know what it's going to be called, but like a brawl, a, a, a wave of like big brutes and physical damage. So what, Clearly the Wrecking Crew, right? Yeah, like the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> so yeah. what we'll get is like, we've seen the Hulkbuster, we know Colossus is coming, I think we'll then get Juggernaut, which we know is coming. Yes. We'll get um, a new Hulk himself. I'm really hoping for this, I don't know if I'm being too optimistic, but just because of them taking that step and doing a sort of mystic-themed uh, release. I, I, I kind of think they might be doing, uh, well, I more hope that they'll be doing this, a physical themed release, which is just all the big brutes and like angry heroes that just want to <laughs> smash face. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. John, what do you think? I don't know if they're going to spoil us as well as they did last year. I'm very hopeful that they do. 
But with the amount of stuff we've seen for Convocation and Dormammu and Blade and Moon Knight, and we know we've seen Hulkbuster, we've seen Kamala Khan with Miss Marvel, we've seen tons of stuff already that's still to come. I'm expecting less than last year, unfortunately, I think. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing that or if I'm just trying to dull my own hype. Yeah, just preparing <laughs> yeah, yourself. And then I'm just going to get overexcited like a kid in a candy shop. Um, I'm expecting to see a few more mutants. So I'm expecting Colossus. I'm expecting Juggernaut. We've seen them already on cards. Whether they'll come packaged together, which is a dream situation. That would be such a big box. <laughs> That'd be an enormous box. That'd be like the taco truck. All in, uh, you know, yeah, just yeah. Juggernaut alone would be the taco truck, right? Yeah. So I, I'm I'm hopeful for that. I don't think we'll see it together. And then I've got some kind of really weird. I can ex, I can almost see AMG giving us Nova. I think Nova's long overdue at this point. Yeah, I think that's and fair. I can, them, I can see them dropping Nova. I could see some really weird kind of strange, possibly Shield. We might see Fury and some of the others that are along with Shield. Ooh, now or, that I think is a an interesting one right there because I don't think anybody's well, talking about that. Yeah, I could see possibly Fury, Maria Hill, Coulson, Quake. There's enough going yeah, there that they yeah. could drop out. It would be crazy. That would be like... <laughs> is, is that Agent Venom as well? Is he S.H.I.E.L.D.? I, I'm expecting to see Agent Venom. That would be yeah. bonkers. I'd be so happy oh, to get man. another Oh, man, we got Venom an Agent Venom, not only would you be happy, I know Nate from the Gamers Guild would also be uh, like a kid in Christmas because that is one of his favorite characters. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely wicked. He can't be too far away now, though, surely. I don't think so. I mean, with the, with the rate that they're churning things out, I know it's easy to say, oh, there's hundreds and, and loads of different characters, but we must be getting close to some of some more symbiotes, for example, or S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, something one of my friends picked up on is if you go on the Atomic Mass website, um, quite oddly, when you filter the gallery, there's Cabal Avengers, but there's also a tag for just Hydra, which I hadn't seen before. Oh, weird. So maybe we'll get a Hydra faction. That would huh. be class. Yeah, that'd be really neat. So that's interesting on all of that. Like, I really, I really think, first of all, that without question, we are at least going to see Juggernaut, Colossus, Kamala Khan, and Hulkbusters cards. I, I think Definitely. that. That because we know those are coming, and because we know that that you know they're Colossus and Juggernaut are on affiliation cards, and we they've revealed the models for Hulkbuster and Kamala Khan. I think that without question, those are going to be revealed. So we'll be able to you know rapid react, hot take, all that fun stuff right yeah. here on House Party Protocol next week for our one hundredth episode. By the way, which is just wow and. I'm going to say more on that later. but um. Yeah, just going to jump in there. John was saying to me on the way to McDonald's earlier that he, um, the first podcast you listened to, was it the first one? Yeah, first podcast ever in relation to MCP. I wasn't going to do this live on X. It sounds really fanboy, but it was your House Party Protocol yeah. first release. I just got into the game, was starting to contemplate some podcasts because I'd done a couple for Sigma. Nice. And yours was the one I stumbled across and went, oh, I'll have a listen to that as the first one. So, it's it's a nice little shout out for you. Yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. It, I must imagine for both yourself and for John because you've both been here since the very start. Obviously, you have Will, but John as well as a listener. All yeah. that journey to a hundred episodes has got to be crazy. It's it's something wild, and I just um, yeah. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and get into it. I'm I'm just ridiculously humbled by that like you know it's just one of those things that like you know and 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 it was rough around the edges at one point and that's okay you know every everybody's not going to be perfect at the beginning but like 
you know, shout out to our, our friend Greg, you know, he's, you know, life happens and that's what it is, but I'm glad that we've been able to keep it going and I hope that people have still enjoyed it. I mean, it seems like they have, so so there we go, but you know, it's just one of those things like it's it's very surreal, you know, and and yeah, I appreciate the everyone that listens john i appreciate you sticking with it you know i know like i said ups and downs ebbs and flows all that good stuff it's so, made it through and it's stayed consistently good so i'm gonna stick with it sweet yeah. I, I like to see the consistency is key exactly which is why we all play dice games right <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got jokes i love it yeah basically that's basically it yes consistency and dice go hand in hand so Let's go back to talking about Mini Stravaganza. So, like I said, I think those are the guaranteed no-question reveals we're going to get, right? Now, last year, it was like this totally secret, like, boom, here's the mutants. They're going to yeah. be, they're coming, right? I think if we have some totally secret, like, what can they do to kind of maybe match that energy, maybe not, you know, thing... I think the only thing that I can think of that, for me anyways, would match that energy is Fantastic Four and Doom. Yes. Sorry to like, jump ahead of John there, but um, everyone in our local group's been silent about that. Um, another thing that's sort of been bobbling around that we've been talking about is possibly Sentinels. Oh, yeah. I could see that being a thing. That would be super cool. Yes, like a dumb mommy-sized Sentinel just comes stomping in. That'd be so cool. I don't know how they'd do it. I don't know if they'd do like almost sen- sentinels that were that were known or regarded slightly above your standard other sentinels. I, I don't know as much about them as John does, but well, I think that's something we might see. I also think, just quickly, whilst we're talking about mutants, someone pointed out that in the mini extravaganza schedule, there's a, they've got a little section labeled something like "Come and Chill," and it's "Come and Chill." We'll be talking about. A new character, so that uh, to me shouts Iceman yeah. and uh, Pyro. I, I see Iceman, I see Pyro. Maybe Emma Frost potentially. Yeah. I think there's there's plenty of legroom with Marvel. I think Fantastic Four has to be the big one if there is a massive yeah, release. I, I mean Doom. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's what it is. I think everybody wants Doom. Yeah. I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Fantastic Four. I'm not sure any Marvel fan should ever admit that, but they're not really my cup of tea. Blast for me. I mean, I don't know if it's just us, but I'm really not a fan of the Fantastic Four either. Both of y'all, get out of here. What's wrong with you? Podcast Um, over. I'm kidding. But no, it is is the next massive kind of wave, surely. If they're going to reduce another kind of like, similar to the mutants, like a whole kind of section of a universe to it, it has to be them. They've already done Street Heroes, so we've already had kind of like Defenders. We're now getting the Midnight Suns and things like that. They've kind of done magic. There are obviously other characters they could dig into, but Convocation feels like the big magic release. Yeah. The next big release has to be, surely, Fantastic Four? Surely. I mean... I, I mean, there's always Alpha Flight, I guess. But hey, I mean, I mean you know, Canada with that representation, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I think, with this game, when Thanos entered the game, he sort of opened the door for big guys. Yeah, and then when Dormammu entered the game, he walked through that wall. So like, yeah. there is no door. Like, there's a great gaping hole. I think we could potentially see Doom. I don't know if I'm just fanboying or what, but I'd love to see Null. Oh wow, yeah, he's such a new character in the Marvel universe too that that'd be yeah. insane and awesome. I mean, there's just the fact that we now have 
characters ranging from two threat to eight threat opens up so many things. And Doom feels like something we could get. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I also like Dark Horse kind of possibility here is I'd like to see some more Asgardians because we really, other than Angela yeah. and Enchantress, haven't really meddled I with mean, the Asgardians. And there's, I think more so from just an Asgardians perspective, there's also so many like untapped villains yeah, from yeah, yeah. the like old Jack Kirby run and stuff. Like that'd be so cool. I mean, someone said to me the other day, they were like, you reckon we'll get an Odin? And I was like, no. And then I was like, hold on a minute. Why could we get an Odin? I mean, we've got the one. Yeah, exactly. Could we get like a nine threat Odin? That was like a new leader for Asgard that just basically went, I'm going to smash your face in. Like, maybe we could. That'd be crazy. That would be crazy and awesome. And it would be amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait. We only have, uh, you know, a couple more days to to wait to find out what's going to happen. And like I said, we will be sharing all the stuff on the House Party Protocol Facebook page. So make sure you follow us over there. We will be talking about it in our Discord. If you're interested in checking that out, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. And for a dollar a month, 12 bucks a year, you can come and hang out and be a part of, of our uh discord group over there it's just a fun chill good time you know we don't yeah. try not to blow you up with uh you know messages all over the place but it's you know we just talk about mcp and whatever else comes up and all that just good quickly stuff. to jump on that sorry to cut you off yeah no good um 100 recommend the house party discord so i signed up for the patreon of, i think it's like a few days ago there's some great people on there had some great chats about different talk and tactics and it doesn't feel as intense as some discords do and it right. also feels a lot more I, I don't know i think it's because obviously people are paying to be there you've got the people that really want to be there you don't just have people that have randomly signed up to a discord or people that are just there uh, i'm not saying that a lot of people do this, but some people do like to join servers just to be negative and yeah. i think with the house party protocol one you don't have that because everyone's paying to be there everyone wants to be there actively do you know what i mean yeah and and that's it's kind of the reason why that kind of things like behind that wall like I, I really hate i don't like putting content behind a wall i've said this before and i'll say it again if you if you've never if this is your first episode of house party protocol welcome and also i will never hide content behind a paywall i will never do that and you know to, to people that do that, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, but like that's just something that I am never going to do. So if you're yeah, signed up for the Patreon, know. it's just because you 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 like what we do here. I can vibe with that entirely because with um, Web Warrior Protocols, it's the same. So I was I was actually looking at Patreon and some other stuff as well, but I I don't think I'd ever even consider putting anything behind a paywall. At the end of the day, I want as many people to be able to read and have their opinions on what I have to say my experiences as possible. So putting it behind a, a paywall doesn't interest me, yep. which is, again, it's, it's a great thing with yourself because it means people have got hours and hours, quite literally hundreds of hours now of content to listen to <laughs> through you, yeah. which they don't have to pay for, but if they want to, they can support the channel, which is great. Yep. Yep. That's it. And uh, so now with that, um, let us go ahead and answer our Discord questions while I'm thinking about it. And then uh, we might be running long on time, but I'll see if we have enough time after we answer these questions to do a roster discussion. If not, 
what we can do is save that for uh, the next time you're on with me, which uh, I think I said this at the beginning, but I'll say it again here. Aaron, you're going to be joining me once a month going yeah. forward, and I'm really excited for that. So, Yeah, I'm sure John will be more than happy as well if you'll have him to uh, show back up and talk about his X-Men as well. Absolutely. So let's go to the uh, show questions here for our Discord channel. And we've got to start here with Schultze. He says, what are your favorite flavors of Jelly Belly Jelly Beans? <laughs> so, John, I'm going to start John? with you. Uh, I'm trying to think now. I've eaten plenty of flavors of Jelly Belly. To be fair, I've got a Jelly Belly machine on my desk at work. So there's plenty <laughs> of Jelly Beans get consumed. But I'm really boring. Well, I don't know if I am really boring. It's the one everybody else really dislikes, but toasted marshmallow. Okay. You know, you're not the only one who said that because of Merzane. Uh, for those of you who know Merzane out there, he likes toasted marshmallow too. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. I've never found alone, anyone else. <laughs> That's awesome. What about you, Aaron? Um, I'm quite basic, I think. I just like Coca-Cola jelly beans. I know it sounds super basic <laughs> and it's probably like everybody's go-to. I can jam with Coca-Cola jelly beans and Coca-Cola flavored sweets. I'm cool with that. They're, they're great. That's all I need. Nope, uh, no hate there at all. I'm I'm a big fan of like the Happy Cola gummies, like from yeah, Harbio. Yeah. Those are so good. Uh, for me, Jelly Belly, I am basic, man. Just give me some watermelon, like any of the fruit flavors, like the green apple. I'm about that life. Oh no! So the greener the better, right? That's it. That's it. We could uh, we could share a pack. We'll send send you all the fruit ones. John can have the marshmallow ones, and I'll have all the cola ones. There we go. It works out great. I think it's a fair trade right there. So Indeed. we've got Isaac here. He says, for X Men, is a Cyclops and Cable combo effect for backline shooting with Cable shielding Cyclops if need be. Uh, maybe throw in Venom to bodyguard either. And I think what he's getting at here, like. How do you feel about like Cable and Cyclops being kind of the backline, gunline, and maybe Cyclops a little bit farther forward, Cable with the shield, all that kind of stuff? How do you feel about that, John? I think Cyclops and Cable work fairly well. It's a high cost at nine points, um, but they can work. I don't think Cyclops always needs the shield from Cable. I think with a four physical defense and then three energy defense, anybody that's coming in, those tend to be the main kind of like attacks we've got. He's fairly standard at holding himself off. The mm -hmm. extra dice never hurt anybody. Um, but that range five and then the range four works really well. If you sit Cable outside and he incinerates, Cyclops is almost getting an extra dice on his basic attack. If he's got the power to open the optic devastation and go full beam, the extra dice on a couple of incinerated targets is just nuts. Oh, I do like it when I've got the power to get it going together. Yeah, I have found, and let me see if this is the same for you, that when Cable's on the board, he is using that shield for himself more than anybody else. Yeah, definitely. He's got no way to manipulate any of his dice, um, which leaves him open to a lot of things because he doesn't have the greatest defenses for a five threat. Um, you want to spend some of his power to body slide him if he needs to move about, so he does tend to keep as much of that for himself as he can. Um but when he's got the spares, throwing it onto Cyclops is never a bad idea. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think Cyclops is one of those characters that you forget that he has a four physical defense until you yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm rolling four dice here. Awesome, you know? Yeah, to um, quickly jump in as well, whilst we're about Cable and Cyclops, and obviously the 
not having the power to just regularly throw up the shield. I think Cyclops can almost aid Cable in a way where Cyclops might, uh, Cable might not need to body slide every turn because Cyclops can use Field Leader to Absolutely. put him into position, which then leaves Cable with a little bit more power. And I think that's a nice little trick because although the opponent might think they're moving out a range of one with body slide and Field Leader, Cable's got an insane amount of reach. Like, he's going to get you. Unless you stood behind a size 5 building, Cable's going to get you. Oh, yeah. That, that big base can uh, get those lines of sight uh, pretty nicely right there. Yeah, I I really like the idea of field leader with Cable. I think it just it mitigates so much of Cable's uh, yeah, 100%. short boy yeah. moving problem. People forget that field leader is like range 4, which is massive for a placement. So you've only got to be within range 4 of Cyclops. And he can shift you across. And people really do forget that. They start looking at it and then you go, yeah. well, Cyclops is going to move. And he's like halfway across the board. And they're like, what? Does it, does it reach? Like, yeah. Yep. Incredible. I love Field Leader. I, I ran Cyclops for a little bit in Web Warriors. He almost made my roster. But I have this really weird thing about forefronts, like I said. But um, Field Leader's just great. I mean, being able to Field Leader Scarlet Witch into a position where she can double tap someone. Oof. feels so bad, but it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you mean it feels bad for the opponent when they're getting double-tapped, but it feels good for well, you, yeah, the player, exactly. doing that because you're just you know wrecking somebody. Yeah, or um, just giving Venom that extra bit of movement. I mean, feel, using Field Leader to put Miles in range to use his first action to Venom Blast, then moving Web Swing away is huge. <laughs> Look, they're not getting that extract back if, Venom, if Miles has just picked it up. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely it. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, next question we hear, we have Bonds says, what do they hope to see in Colossus to fill out the affiliation? So, Aaron, I'm going to start with you on this one. What do you think Colossus is going to bring to the X-Men affiliation? So, I don't know as much about Colossus, both law-wise and sort of what the gaps are in the current X-Men roster as John does. However, I think Colossus is going to be an absolute unit. So I imagine Colossus as that scene, I think he's in X2, where he just, it's just a scene with the sound of him metaling up. Yeah. And they're just shooting into him and he's just like, and he's just covered in metal. Yeah. I think he's just going to be an absolute tank. He's going to, he's going to be walking along not caring. I think he might actually give them some mid-board control, which I don't know if that's something that they want or something that they're lacking. Obviously, like John says, he sort of hangs back a little. I think Colossus will give them the choice to really have a, a lot, um, sort of a hard point in the middle of the board where they can focus around and play around kind of thing. Nice. Okay, John, what do you think about Colossus? And, you know, from a lore perspective, we all know he's, you know, super strong. He's He's got the metal skin, all that stuff. But what do you think he's going to bring to the game? Uh, I'm really hoping he brings kind of a bodyguard. I'm hoping we yeah. get Colossus with a bodyguard or with some kind of tactics card that's similar to Heroes for Hire or Lethal Protectors. would be awesome. Yeah, he, so he cool. needs to be able to hop himself in front of a slightly more fragile Jean Grey or hopefully Magic, if we get a Magic. He can hop himself in front of one of those to take mitigate some of the damage. I can see him getting in vulnerability, so yeah. he's reducing whatever damage he takes due to that wonderful metallic outer skin. I'm really hoping for a high physical and a high energy defense. I'm looking at fours, maybe, or am I yeah. being too hopeful? I think we might actually see a four-four-three that counts blanks yep. and has invulnerability. Whoa! I, I, would... I don't know if I'm being 
super, super optimistic. Joke. I, I'm, I'm going to say that's problem. a little optimistic, I think. <laughs> it is, but can you imagine like, how tanky he would be? If that's a five-threat that character, if, yeah. if, if you ask me. what Do you think that that would be reasonable? So, John, you obviously you play all the X-Men, right? Another five-threat character in that affiliation? I don't want him to be five threat because I think that really jams up the affiliation with five threats and I'm stuck and then other X-Men players will be stuck yeah. trying to make a choice between what they want to do. It makes it very clunky. I um, agree. At four threat, I reckon we can squeeze him in. There's got to be an option to get him in at those higher threat values. So like 17 and above, he'd be easy to get in. His bodyguard would make more sense because you could stick him next to Storm who may be able to move off a back point. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping he gets a massive throw. And without question, tactics card built onto his card. I don't care if I have to write it onto his card. There is a fastball special coming somewhere. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I just think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be should, great too. It should be great when he hits the tabletop, but I'm super keen to see his card, but really kind of like, oh, please don't not do it at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be a really interesting character. And I, I think that it's, it's going to be... Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table because I think he's gonna, he's a character that they can go a lot of ways with. But I feel like that he's gonna be, you know, range two physical attacks. He's gonna have like a four physical defense, and I would love to see him have like the Thanos level invulnerability where like it's just a straight reduced damage by one. But I think what we're gonna see, if you want like the realist version of me. It's the, we're going to get reduced damage by one to a minimum of one, which I'm still okay with. Yeah, I'm hoping we get some form of aggressive, similar to She-Hulk. Just so a push or any damage, and he gets to just kind of move himself short towards you as if to say, okay, you're damaging me, which means the rest of the team are going to take some. I'm coming for you. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I'd also like to see some kind of like a like an area attack where if he does get that damage, he can get in there and, and do something. But I think that's probably wishful thinking. <laughs> I, I, Potentially. I, I think this is the great thing with Marvel because you look at any, well, not any, because Toad might not be, you know, a Omega level mute, but you look at most characters um, and they could probably do them as a free threat. They could probably do them as a four or oh, a five. Yeah. That's what's great. Like we have, say, Iron Man. Um, what What's a core box Iron Man threat? Three. So he's a free threat. You could, I could definitely see a version of Iron Man that's a five threat. And I think with Colossus as well, maybe they could find a way to do similar to Luke Cage, a free threat. But on the other hand, they could go right out there and give us a huge five threat Colossus. No. I mean, I hope they don't, purely for John's sanity, because no. working with all those high numbers probably won't work. But that's the great thing, look. That there's so many different stages of characters that they can Absolutely. really do what they'd like with them. I absolutely agree with that. So next up, we've got uh, BF Trick here's uh, Pat. He's saying, have you bought a box just for the tactics cards, knowing you'll likely never use the characters? So me personally, no, because I buy everything. <laughs> but uh, what about you, John? No, I've bought everything that's been released so far, uh, simply from the Marvel fanboy perspective. This is something I've been into for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so getting to paint them, play with them is really what I'm after. The tactics cards are great, but I don't think I would buy a box just for a tactics cards. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? So I've just got my case here. I'm just getting the models out. So I could lie here and say that I've never bought a box for tactics cards. But I have done that quite a lot. 
Nice. So I only actually have like 10, maybe around 16, 17 models for MCP. Nice. And I have the majority of the crisis cards, the majority of the tactics <laughs> cards. So I am 110% a sucker for, oh, let's buy the box for the cards. Let's just do it. I mean, the Ancient One and Mordo, as good as they're both, look, I don't think I'll use either of them, but they're going to get a crisis card with them, so I'm going to buy the box. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. I will say, I think Mordo is really interesting, and that's a conversation for another time, though. So I've actually, yeah, I've, I've never done that, but I know people that have done that, and it's like just using the the box for a specific tactics card. Look, I mean, you know, spend your money however you want. If you want to do that, then go for it. I think that uh, you won't be disappointed no matter what you do, If you, especially if you just give the models a try, too. So I mean, I... Oh, sorry to jump oh, in again. Good. I've owned so many Marvel models. You're like version 5 of Venom now or something? Yeah, so I always end up buying the same model again because I'll strip them when I'm not happy with the paint job. And then I'll just go, you know what? I'll just buy another one. So nice. I've bought so many Marvel models, but at the same time have so few. It's quite funny. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So next up we have Boots. Given that X-Men have a great leadership on a three-threat, some very good tactics cards, and approximately a million yet-to-be-released characters, is it only a matter of time until they're considered one of the most powerful, he says allegiances, but let's say affiliations? I, I'm going to answer this one first, and I think that X-Men, I mean, it's, it all depends on, on, on the characters that are yet-to-be-released. Right now, I think that they are, are better than maybe they're perceived in, a, in the more broad competitive spectrum, I'm not particularly good at piloting them. And one of the things I meant to ask you earlier, John, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask it now, I personally feel like that X-Men are a very unforgiving affiliation. If you make mistakes, the mistakes are magnified, In again, in my experience. So would you say that, that they could potentially be one of the best affiliations given the appropriate amount of characters that could you know maybe change things up a little bit i mean i think any affiliation with new characters could be the best affiliation but let's look at x-men specifically do you think they could be one of the best affiliations also do you feel like that they're very unforgiving affiliation to play i'm going to do the second question first because i think it's easier in terms of them being horribly unforgiving they can be um I've had situations where I've mismeasured something when I've looked at it and I've eyeballed it and I've put a character out there. So I put Jean Grey out there the other week and I thought I'd measured something and she was within, like, barely within four of Scarlet Witch and she was dead. That was oh, it. Yeah. She went, she was double tapped, she fell down, she was all gone. And that was the end of it. And there were a lot of characters like that. Storm's very similar. If you don't put her in the right place or you haven't quite worked out what your opponent's going to do in terms of matchups, they can fall very, very quickly. Um, they don't have a lot of tech to kind of get themselves out of that situation. I mean, they've got, to me, my X-Men, which allows you to move towards the leaders when you pay power. So you could move towards either Scott or Storm if they're both on the tabletop, which gives you a little bit of play. Yep. And Jean got her rather expensive ability to move a character who's already activated. Yep. Um, so she can do that too. But usually by the time you get around to that, if they're in the wrong spot, they're dazed or they're dead. Um they do take a lot of work, which I think is the problem with them, to be honest. They're not one of those that you throw out on the tabletop and you go, oh, I've had success with those in the first couple of games. They feel good. I think I know what I'm doing. I'll run with those. 
you've kind of got to stick with them because you get something wrong and they do fall down. Yep. I think they, they could definitely suffer from the fail bads, couldn't they? The yeah. sort of quickly have an opinion of a character that they're not very good, but it's actually just because, unfortunately, they were in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. Whereas, luckily, we've side Web Warriors. I mean, I'll try not to make too many mistakes, but if I do, I can sort of mitigate that with Lifesaver and pushes and pulls and throws. Yeah. X-Men don't have that in no. any form, do they? <laughs> Right. No, beat on a throw, but he tends to be on the other side to everybody yeah. else when I'm running him. And like that doesn't help. I think they suffer a little bit as well because lots of people were keen to play them. So when they first dropped, there were only four models. Loads of people put them on the table. And as we've said earlier, they didn't work with just those four models. Um, they felt clunky. They felt disjointed. They felt like they were missing a lot. And then when yeah. you look at the cards potentially for like Gene and Cable, they also don't really measure up to some of the other fives that are out there when you take them in a vacuum. So you might still think, actually, I don't think they add a lot to it, so I don't really know what to do with it. And they can feel really weird in that kind of context. They just take a bit of play. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's exactly it. I think it's just they're one of those affiliations that they can be unforgiving initially, but once you kind of get used to them and, and whatnot, they, they kind of come into their own. So Yeah, and I, I think we're going to see something very similar with Convocation. I think they're going to be an absolute mess headspace wise for you to try and work out what to do with them but i think once you've put some hours in you've put some play in and you've worked it out i think they're going to be an exceptionally good affiliation yeah 100 definitely agree definitely agree with that so next up we have panzer harris it seems like a gambit and rogue box is inevitable at least all of us fans from the 90s cartoon sure hope so what would you like to see them add to the affiliation when they do appear so here we go another wild speculation question and uh, we'll start with you, John. What do you what do you want to see from Gambit and Rogue? Uh, I'm going to go with Rogue first because I think Rogue's got way more speculation around what we could add. I'm assuming she's going to come with flight. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm assuming she's going to have some solid physical defense. She's going to have some amazing physical attacks. She's probably going to end up with some version of like a rocket punch, similar kind of attack as she flies in, swoops, moves over a distance. Superpower-wise, I'm really hoping we get something that I thought we might have got with Sinister that almost allows her to kind of, like, copy somebody else's superpowers or attacks within a set range of her. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping if she stands within, like, range two of Cable, she can potentially pay three power to use one of his attacks, for example, or something along those lines. So she's just put a hand on the side of Cable, and she's like, well, now I've got your psychic ability, so I'm going to go and Atkinson attack somebody who's within range two. I'm kind of hoping we see something like that. Um, how they work that and how they would prevent that from becoming potentially broken, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think AMG can they've, – they've done well with what they've done so far. I don't think they've really missed anywhere. And I'm hoping that if they're looking at it, they can find a way to get it to work. Um, that's really my big hope is that she can steal powers. She can steal attacks. She could potentially use somebody else's superpower. I'm really hoping that she kind of is a massively varied piece on the table. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. What about Gambit? I think Gambit, you you know what you're getting with Gambit. You're getting a range four, four dice, rapid fire, energy card throw. I think that's got to be in there. I think we're probably going to get some sort of small area attack or range two attack with his bow staff. Yeah. That potentially hands out kind of like an explosive so we can see his energy blasts shatter out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd really like, and I know it's not used overly often, but Mystique's ability, 
to kind of blow up terrain at the end of an activation Ooh, or to yeah. blow it up. I want Gambit to charge up something he stood by, move off maybe with some sort of hit and run, and then at the end of his activation be like, oh, you guys stood over there by that building I charged. It's about to blow up. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Aaron, what do you think of these two characters? So I'm going to do the opposite to John. I'm going to start with Gambit. Um, like John said, range for energy cards that he could throw would be amazing. I, so the 90s cartoon is actually a little bit before me. I'm a 2000, by the way. All right. But I know about Gambit, and I really like Gambit. I think he can add, add quite a lot, a lot to the game. Like John said, it'd be really cool if he can charge up a building. Maybe a superpower that, you know, he, he throws a card at a building and it explodes. Destroy the piece of terrain. Enemy characters win one take two damage. Again, like Mystique. Um, I don't think we'll see that as a superpower, probably as an action, much like hers. Mm-hmm. In terms of attacks on his card, I don't know whether we'll see an area attack, like John said. Um, it will be really interesting. There's a lot they can do with him, potentially. Definitely. Um, the bow staff, I reckon, can definitely be in there. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I'd quite like... I don't know if it's just me speculating around the whole card shtick or what, but I'd quite like for him to have bad luck, like Black Cat, so you can't re-roll tap dice when attacking him. Oh, yeah, or that'd be interesting. something similar to Domino. I sort of imagine he'll be quite similar to Moon Knight in a way, with his um, the, the layout of his card, sort of a basic attack, with his, his, his bow staff, a range four attack, and then a bigger attack. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. He's definitely one of the coolest X-Men, in my opinion. Definitely. From my limited knowledge of them. <laughs> is it just is it just me that wants husband and wife question mark as a superpower to yeah. develop the <laughs> Man, no, I'm going to say, as much as I want that, the answer is no, because husband and wife sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just moving on to Rogue, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't know a huge amount about Rogue. All I really know is the one X-Men film um, where she's still quite young and Wolverine picks her up. So I think we could get something like choose an enemy character within range. They suffer, say, one or two damage. During this character's activation, they may use one of the attacks on that card. So something like stealing a web snare attack or a sword strike from Zemo. Mm-hmm. I mean... Sadly, I really genuinely thought we'd get this with Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. thought Taskmaster would be able to steal physical or energy attacks and replicate them. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't get that. We got pneumatic technique, pneumatic is it? Technique, Which yeah. is a great attack in its own self. I'd like to see something along the lines of what we've just been talking about, though, for Rogue. It would be really, really cool if they could really nail that sort of ability to, to steal from others. Maybe in order to balance it, it can't target friendly models. I think that would sort of make sense law-wise as she's very reserved to use her power on her allies, isn't she? She doesn't want to hurt her friends. Yeah. But similar to the scene in the X-Men movie, when she needs to, she's willing to reach out to, say, Magneto and, and draw from his strength. Do you know? Yeah. It'd be really cool if, if we could see her just walking into the middle of the board and a very confused Miles gets hit with his own Venom Blast. I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. So... Yeah, I think I'm going to start with Rogue on this one, kind of like John did. I think that they have shown kind of a theme of more kind of 90s X-Men stuff, I think, more or less. And I think that we're going to get the the post-Carol Danvers stealing superpowers 
rogue version, so like super strength and flight and all that. So I think that's what we're going to get. I, I don't know. But that, I think, is the most iconic version of that character. And so I think that's where we're going to go with it. If they went the other direction and it's like the depowered version, it would have to be something where like once per turn as a free thing, you can steal uh, an attack or a superpower from an enemy or friendly model within a certain range and, and use it that turn. Like, uh, uh, Yeah. Where do we think she might be able to sap a healing factor? So, for example, she walks up to somebody like Lizard and says, well, I'll take your healing factor. I'll that heal two. Cool. That'd you be take awesome. one damage or you lose two power because you're now depowered. I stole your ability. Yeah, just to jump in quick as well. Um, obviously, like you've just said about friendly or, or enemy models, I do have a feeling if we have anything like this, it will only be enemy models just because it would be too easy, I think, to take models where copying their attacks is insane. So taking the new Sorcerer Supreme, so you've got yeah. two people with that dagger's attack. Whereas Ooh, at least if yeah. it's enemy models, you can't really try and break the game in that way, if you know what I mean. Yep, yep. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, I like that. And then uh, I think with Gambit... I think we're going to see, like you said, like the range four with a rapid fire, or I could see something where like it's range four, strength four, but maybe he has a superpower like storm, but for a cheaper cost where he can boost one attack. Like, so instead of like the attack, you know, if like if it has rapid fire, like the whole attack yeah. action, but like maybe just like the next attack this character makes it gets an extra two dice or something where he he spends a power because that's him you know charging the card up or something like that i could see something like that so like sadistically in the sense yeah yeah so uh, i don't know uh what we're gonna get with these characters but i'm very excited for it and uh with that we have run extra long so i'm gonna put a button on this show but gentlemen i uh really appreciate y'all being on and we will definitely have you back very soon. As you know, like I said, once a month, it's it's happening. So I'm really excited for that. And so Suits out there listening, if you have any uh, particular questions or anything that uh, you want to see us focus on with a couple of more maybe competitive-oriented uh, discussions or something like that or, you know, whatever you want to do. I know you guys play a lot of tournaments and stuff, so that's why I bring up the competitive aspect of it. But it can be anything. Sorry. Jump in. Sorry. Um, You're good. John actually is the law guy for us. So John isn't really the... the, the uh, John hasn't been to that many tournaments, but if anyone wants to know anything about any character, it's like, John, can you explain this? John is like the Marvel Wikipedia for us. Nice. So. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, just you know, let us know. Send us messages on our Facebook page. Comment on all of our posts whenever we make them. We love interacting with you guys in that way. Make sure to check out the Web Warrior Protocols blog. There's a link in the description. So make sure to grab that and go give these guys some love. And then also, you know, like I said earlier, if you're interested in checking out our Patreon, supporting the show, you can check that out. Next week, I am starting our giveaway. I figured for the 100th episode, we'll we'll do a, another big giveaway. And we, uh, we're going to do a giveaway for all of the uh, new Web Warriors and Spider-Foes models that came out. I would rather wait and do like convocation and stuff, but since we don't have an official release date on those guys, I'm not, I don't want to promise and then not be able to deliver in that way. So that's why we're doing these uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Black Cat, all those those people, and then maybe we'll throw in a little Blade and Moon Knight because they should be released by the time the giveaway yeah. ends. But uh, you, m- you might get a release date with the Mini Stravaganza if we're lucky for the convocation stuff. 
Fingers crossed. Fingers cool. crossed. But uh, we'll we'll play it's, that by ear. But there will be an announcement next week for our next big giveaway. So make sure to check that out. And uh, Aaron, people can find you at Web Warriors Protocols, right? Yeah, so it's webwarriorprotocols.com. And just quickly as well, I just want, if it's okay with you, we'll give a quick shout out to my sponsor. That's all right. Yeah, go for it. Cool. So it's just Boarding Brum, which is the West Midlands Gaming Center. So it's where me and John actually sat at the moment recording this podcast in the office. It's where we play locally. It's where we source all our Marvel stuff. Um, I'll be putting a post up tomorrow because we actually are going to have some sales that Boarding Brum are offering that I'm going to promote. I just wanted to give a big shout out to them for helping me to do this and sponsoring the Web Warrior page as well. Awesome. John, is there anywhere that uh, people can find you? Uh, the easiest place to find me is probably on the House Party Protocols Facebook page. I am on there. I've been on there for a while. Otherwise, I'm kind of hidden away with personal accounts all over yeah, the place. Yeah, John's a... Roger that. John sort of lurks and knows everything about Marvel and does well at tournaments and is scarily biting up my heels with his X-Men. And, uh, I'm sure I'll have to play him one day at an event. You can't wait to see how that goes. So... Uh, uh, yeah, gentlemen, thanks so much. I know uh, we had said we were going to talk about a whole lot more stuff, but uh, like we'll have plenty of time in the future. So, um, like I said, make sure to uh, hit us up with uh, whatever you want to hear us talk about. And uh, with that, party on, Aaron. Indeed, and you, Mike. Party on, John. Have a good one. And power down suits. <laughs> <laughs>